0: Following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. The season of Advent is one of uh, 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 anticipation and expectation. We've come to the third Sunday of Advent, and we've talked about different types of expectations, different types of comings of Christ. Of course, the most commonly understood expectation is the the one in the past, the arrival of Christ as a baby, the incarnation, the Messiah of Israel, and the Savior of the world. That's the most commonly understood coming of Jesus at Advent. We're actually going to talk about that next week. We also anticipate the return of Christ. Scriptures speak to this. The church has uniformly understood that we expect Christ to return to earth again. And that's sort of a terrible and wonderful coming of Christ. And we dwell in the middle of, in, this, in this middle place where we have both hope and fear for the future. We talked about that last week. But there's a third coming of Christ that we are thinking about during the Advent season, and that's the one that we're going to think about a little bit today. And that's the the arrival of Christ, the coming of Christ here among us in our communities and in our individual lives. All this other stuff could be dismissed as um, very specific religious expectation that if you're not a Christian um, or if, you're, if you don't have any connection to the Judeo-Christian story, you could probably feel free to dismiss. I wouldn't recommend it, but I could understand why you might. But the the third coming of Christ is the coming to every person. You cannot dismiss that one. Christ wants to be present with you, every single one of you, this season and always. And when Christ is present with you, there is so much that changes in your life, the calling that he places on you, what's going to happen in your life going forward, (laughs) and not just in eternity, like in the here and now. Um, Carolyn and Ryan Kledgman lavin will be here in just a second, and they're going to talk about a, a very specific coming of Christ in their lives and how that has changed their lives. And if you haven't met them and heard their story, it's a wonderful story. And I'm thrilled to, to have you all hear it and for me to hear parts of it that, that are going to be new to me as well. But before I invite them up, I want to invite Jesse up. Jesse Pierce is a member of our leadership team, and he helped us on the first week. And he's done a really uh, a great job setting up the season of Advent. And he's going to be coordinating um, the sharing time that will happen the Sunday after Christmas, our fifth Sunday festival, uh, Jesse's going to oversee that. And in, rather than just sort of generically people telling stories of God at work in their lives, which is what we usually do on our fifth Sunday festivals, um, Jesse has suggested that we should ask for very specific stories. And I want to give him a chance, just um, mostly I want to give them the time this morning, so like 90 seconds um, of what you would like to hear from people on the fifth Sunday and then how they can reach you if they'd like to share. Um, and what they should do if you go after them and they don't want to share. <laughs> so. Yeah, we just thought it would be cool for the fifth Sunday um, for over the next two weeks if we could all be thinking about, uh, again, the coming of Christ into our own lives, how he's broken into our own situations, um, sometimes out of the blue. If you have a story that you want to share, please let me know. I'll kind of be the you know the MC for the fifth Sunday, passing the mic around. And it would be cool to have some stories of how God has broken into your life. If you have a cool story of you know, your conversion or anything like that, um, just Christ breaking in, please let me know. Um, but over the next couple of weeks, uh, just kind of think about that, and uh, I think it'll be a great time uh, for the fifth Sunday. So, Thank you, Jesse. And um, I happen to know, I won't, certainly wouldn't use any names right this moment, but I've had several conversations in the last couple of weeks with people, and this kind of thing has just happened to come up. So if you've talked to me in the last couple of weeks and shared some of this with me, I would uh, just broadly invite you to get in touch with Jesse, uh, Jesse, J-E-S-S-E, at artisanchurch.com. We'll hit his inbox. And um, you didn't know that, but that's true. Um, Right, Scott? That's true? Yeah. (laughs) Um, And uh, please get in touch with him. I would love to have some of those stories shared uh, for the whole community. It's really a wonderful benefit to us when we hear stories like that. So um, who's coming up first? Carolyn. All right. Please welcome Carolyn and Clyde, and Ryan Kledgement-Lavin. Thank you so much for being here today.
1: Okay. Thank you. Morning, guys. Um, so there are some new faces here, so I'm going to like give you a 90-second quick background on Ryan and I, if you haven't heard from us before or met us before. We have been part of Artisan for many years now, but most of those years have been like in Asia, so yeah, if you didn't recognize us, that would that would make sense. Um, so uh, Ryan and I, we met in college. We met on a, we started dating on a study abroad in Africa, which really kind of set the tone for the rest of our relationship being very cross-cultural in context, and um, Two weeks after we graduated, we got married, which was very Christian college in context. Um, (laughs) Shortly after that, we moved to South Korea to teach English. And uh, it was while we were there that we really felt um, a distinct call to be doing ministry overseas. And um, particularly ministry in Asia. And a lot of that had to do with the church that we were part of. We were part of an international church in Seoul. Um, And that really uh, just started a fire in our hearts for doing ministry in Asia. So for the past two and a half years, we have been serving with a Christian relief and development organization called Food for the Hungry. Um, We have been in Sumatra, Indonesia, and now we are back here freezing. (laughs) So... um, So this morning, um, I want to share a little bit about what God's been showing us in the past year um, in regards to personal calling and just kind of um, that scary idea of finding God's will in your life. Um, Whether you're trying to to figure out what to do with your life or trying to decide what's next or or even just trying to live rightly before God, finding God's will is wanting to know what God wants for our lives is just a question that constantly comes up, so... Um, For us, this year, it became very stark because God didn't really give us a time frame for our service in Indonesia. Um, Some people experience life calls like to a place or to a certain ministry, Um, but for us, we just really felt a call to Asia and to serve the poor and to bring reconciliation to a broken place, but we never got like... A distinct time frame for Indonesia. You know, we weren't the uh, missionaries that went with everything packed in our coffins, planning to, you know, die there. And that's a that's a thing. That was a thing. <laughs> um, but more often than not, when it comes to to time frames and, and God's call, uh, He kind of leaves those things ambiguous. Uh, He leaves those things murky, I think, so we can really just trust him um, and not so much our calendars or our plans or anything like that. So at the beginning of this year, as uh, we reached the, we went past the halfway mark of our contract in Indonesia, questions really started to swirl, like, God, how long do you want us in Indonesia? Um, Do you want us to sign another contract? Or the most common and more frantic, like, God, what do you want me to do with my life? Um, for me, I like things really tidy. I like things really organized. I like plans. I like to-do lists. Um, even on my days off, I'll write like a, a big to-do list of the things I need to, do to recharge, like Pinterest one hour, knitting, take a nap. Ryan doesn't understand this at all because he's kind of like, allergic to to-do lists and, <laughs> and planning and calendars, et cetera, et cetera. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, even after seven years of being married, he doesn't, he doesn't get that at all. Um, and I realize I kind of need to get over that a little bit since we're having a baby in a few months and wanting to micromanage my life. I need to move on from this. But that is kind of my default and how I like things. So when it comes to God's call in my life, I want a master timeline. I want milestones. I want to know how long we're doing something, what exactly we're supposed to be doing. That's what I want. So, maybe you've heard of this idea of missionary guilt. Um, Missionary guilt can take different forms. Um, Maybe feeling guilty for leaving your family in the U.S. or guilty about how you spend money because it's sacrificially given or guilty about how you spend your time. For me, when I first got to Indonesia... Uh, There was a lot of, like, feeling guilty about how I spent my time. We support raised for over a year, and, um, you know, there was just so much time of preparation, raising money, praying, building this team of um, people who were supporting us and that we were ambassadors for in Indonesia. And then when we actually touched down on the ground, while we did have a job to do, we did that, that didn't necessarily take up every single moment of my day and I found myself being like should I be studying language every second I'm not busy should I be making relationships with foreigners or only local people these are the kind of things I like really obsessed about like what exactly am I supposed to be doing here Um, and I talked to a former missionary and she just really encouraged me to chill out which is always really good advice for me. (laughs) Um, Because I couldn't really know exactly how God was going to use me in Indonesia. I couldn't know exactly how the, like, what my legacy was supposed to be there. I just needed to wake up, surrender to the day to God, and start putting one foot in front of the other and just be. So, you know, even when we're serving God and following his leading, that doesn't necessarily mean we have, like, super precise plan of what we're supposed to be doing. We need to embrace our limited understanding because I think that's where God wants us so that we're not leaning on our own strength but leaning on his. Um, there's a verse in 1 Corinthians 13 12. For now we, for now we see only a reflection as, as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part then I shall be known fully, even as I'm fully known. Which just kind of goes to show that the precise plan and wanting super clarity, that's, that's not really what we're going to to get. So, But wanting to know how life plays out, I, I think that's, that's with most of us all the time. Whether it's kind of just in the back of our heads wanting to know what's next or like totally eating us alive wanting to know what's next. Um, and I think that's a lot... At least I can speak for myself, because we want to know what we're supposed to be doing rather than focusing on who we are becoming. Um, When we ask, what is the will of God, we usually mean, what does God want me to do? And there's no doubt that God does have a plan for our lives, in Ephesians 2.10, it said we're God's handiwork, created in Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. But however, when you start reading more about what the Bible says about God's will, you actually don't see anything that promises you like a to-do list or a blueprint or a map. Um, when the Bible talks about the will of God, it says it's God's will that you should be sanctified in 1 Thessalonians four three, and that... Just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love, he destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ according to the good pleasure of his will. In Ephesians 1, 4 through 4-5. So, when we look at these, that they're talking about God's will. God's will for our lives is to see us transformed into the likeness of Jesus. To be sanctified, to be holy, to be blameless. Which means that It looks like God cares a lot more about who we're becoming than what we are actually doing. Um, So as I was at the beginning of this year starting to really agonize over what was next, uh, what the big plan for us was, uh, I read a story. And um, the story was about Joni Erickson Tada, which probably several of you know of her, She is a um, Christian speaker. She was injured in a diving accident when she was a teenager, um, which paralyzed her. And now she has a very successful ministry, um, just like speaking engagements in books, etc., etc. So I was reading a book by her, and um, she was sharing a personal story that even after years of being in a wheelchair, of being a quadriplegic, and having a very successful ministry encouraging people to be okay with where they were she was still so desperate to get out of her wheelchair she was so desperate to be healed and um she prayed god you know the bible says you heal us of all our diseases i'm ready to get out of this wheelchair will you heal me and so she went to a healing crusade and um as the night went on there was a spotlight and it would shine on different people and call them up to the stage and they would be healed, right? But throughout that night, it never shined on her or any of the the hard cases, right? It was kind of the, the easy heels that the light shined on. Um, and as she was leaving the crusade, there were like 30 wheelchairs in line to get on the elevator and she was number 15 and she's just looking around at like the disappointed faces and just like, all these people, they're, like, crestfallen, you know? And she's like, God, is is this all there is? Is this the only way that we can deal with suffering? Like, to pray desperately to remove it, for it to be healed, for it to be taken away? And as she was praying that, God gave her a verse. Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, at first, this sounds like the kind of verse that would sort of promise that she would get out of her wheelchair, right? I mean, I know for me, I've heard this this verse misused very often as a way that people would kind of validate that they're supposed to get what they want because God's going to give us the desires of our heart. But what she started to do was really focus on how do I delight myself in the Lord? Delighting herself in the Lord... um, Studying the Bible, praying, just kind of really, like, soaking in God, like, eating God up. That's what she focused on. And not just for the purpose that, like, oh, I'll delight myself in God, so he'll give me the desires of my heart, but really just, like, I'm going to delight in God. What does that mean? I'm going to do that. And she said, like, as that happened, God gave her the desires of her heart because, as she delighted herself in God, like he replaced her desires with his own. Um, And what were those desires? That the gospel go forth, that the kingdom of God be advanced, broken hearts healed, and that his glories be made known. And then it really hit her that the wheelchair was the key for her seeing all that happening because God's power usually shows up best in weakness. So today she says that she's glad that She hasn't been healed on the outside, but she has been healed on the inside of her own wants, of her own wishes. So the point of this verse isn't so much the desires of our heart piece, it's delighting ourselves in the Lord, because when we delight ourselves in the Lord, His desires become ours. So for me, that really spoke to me about having God put His desires in my heart. Um, because when we're delighting ourselves in him, focusing on him, and wanting to focus on who we're becoming more like him, he puts new desires in there and transforms us into his image. In, in Romans twelve two, it really kind of captures this idea. It says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And that's just it. To know God's will, we need to focus on becoming more like Christ, not on what to do. As we delight ourselves in the Lord, we begin to walk in step with God. And it's precisely when we focus on delighting ourselves in him that he really teaches us how to walk through that uncertainty. Um, The result is the temporary uncertainty of this life becomes far less important in the light of the eternal trajectory that we're now focused on. So, for us, at the beginning of this year, as we were really stressing about what God's will for our lives was, um, and God really gave us these verses and kind of took me down this path of showing me, stop focusing so much on what, and start focusing on delighting in me, um, We started to do that, we really kind of, every time we'd start to have these frantic conversations, we're like, okay, let's not do that, let's focus on how can we delight ourselves in the Lord. And, you know, as that happened, as we became less focused on what to do, what to do, what to do, and more focused on the being and delighting ourselves in God, like, a new opportunity opened up for us, and really was... The perfect fit and you can just see how as we surrendered that kind of like panicky wanting to plan that that God took over and was able to really sort of guide us where we needed to go so um, Ryan's now going to come up and share a little more about the new ministry opportunity that's come up for us and sort of direction that that God's been leading us in so here he is
2: So, yeah, I am kind of allergic to planning, um, but I did write an outline for what I was going to share, um, but uh, then I left it at home. <laughs> so i did pa- I did half of the planning i didn 't do the other half so before uh before church started, I tried to rewrite notes on my phone. so if there's a big pause at any point, yeah, this is a season of grace, right? So we'll just throw some grace on here. Um, yeah, uh, I'm just going to tell a bit of the story of what's happening next. So um, as Carolyn said, um, we were kind of praying um, about what's next, but trying to not obsess about it and be like, God, what's your specific will, but delighting ourselves in God. And, but we kind of put our hearts in like an openness posture towards God, like, all right, whatever you have, God, like, we're open. And um, then it just kind of fell in our laps, um, which, was, which is, a, I mean, a God thing. So we were in, uh, in February this year. Uh, we were in uh, South Korea. Uh, we had to go on a visa run from Indonesia because uh, the visa situation was really funky. And um, so we went back to uh, our church in uh, Seoul, South Korea, um, to... We went to Korea for like a week to get our visa. But we ended up staying with the, the pastor of our church there who we're friends with. And um, one day we were just sitting around talking and he was about to go on sabbatical. And he was saying, uh, you know, after my sabbatical, I want to I come back and, and really see um, what can we do to make this church a hub for missions. And uh, so we, we asked, we're like, you know, what are you thinking about? Like, what, what, what are you what are you talking about, a hub for missions? And he said, um, you know, I just have this vision that we can be this, um, like a footstool, like a, a base camp for um, missions work in Asia. He said, we're in South Korea, we're, this, we're, in, the, um, we're in Asia, we're, we're this international um, English-speaking community, with all these resources, and he's like, I feel like we could really do something to help support missions in Asia, um, and missionaries in Asia. And as he was talking, um, Carol and I were both sitting there, and it was like our hearts were coming alive in a new way. Um, And we didn't actually talk about it then. And uh, the next day, we were on a bus together um, going to get our visas, and it was like one of those weird movie moments where... We're both sitting there, and Carolyn just like looks at me, and she's like, are you thinking what I'm thinking? And I was like, I think we're going to move back here. And she's like, yeah, I'm thinking that too. Like, it was really trippy movie moment. Um, trippy minus the substance of tripping, yeah. Um, but uh, just to be clear, you know, it's Korea. Um, but... Uh, um, our hearts really came alive because while we were in Indonesia, we really felt the need for support. Um, you know, we didn't have a church there. Um, and being in the the 1040 window, can we see a picture of the world? Boom. Okay. Um, I got magic skills. What can I say? Um, anyways. I'm just going to explain this 1040 window thing if you haven't heard about it. The 1040 window um, is the 10th degree latitude to the 40th degree latitude in between the uh, Pacific and the Atlantic Ocean. So if you look up there, that's like Mongolia all the way across, uh, half of Mongolia, China, North Africa, that whole little section there. So anyways, that's – and uh, technically, we were like on the edge of it uh, where we were. Um, but that's an area where two-thirds of the world's population lives, and, like, uh, there are, like, zero, like, Christians. It's, like, 1% Christian or something like that. But it's also where 80% of the world's poverty is. So it's this crazy window of both spiritual and physical needs. And um, that's where we were. And we felt that spiritual need, um, even being Christians there, saying, like, we need some community, we need some support. Um, and um, I mean, you know, some background stories, I guess, too. When we were there, I, I six months in or something, I pretty much had like a complete emotional mental breakdown, and I needed um, I needed counseling, and there was nowhere to go. You know, there was there was nothing. Um, we flew out to Thailand to to see a guy, but it was like a really uh, rushed, difficult thing, and and we didn't we didn't really have any support. Um, and not just us, but we, we, we've talked with countless other missionaries or development workers in Asia who've had similar situations where they haven't had, where they've had emergencies, medical emergencies, or where they've just needed, um, like, a, a visitor, somebody to come spend time with them, um, or some counseling. And uh, when you talk about, like, we were, like, we're, like, 36 hours away in Indonesia, like, from anything. um. And we really felt that need for support. So when our pastor started talking about, yeah, we want to build this base camp for missionaries, like, it, it was like, yes, that's what needs, there needs to be this. There are so few Christians even working in this 1040 window. Only something like 4% of people working abroad, like doing ministry abroad are in this window, but it's where the biggest need are. And they have no support. Um, So we have this image of building a base camp for missions in South Korea. And um, we want to have a a campus that has a a retreat center for for missionaries or Christian workers, uh, counseling services, medical services, um, trainings. All sorts of people just get dropped in these places and they don't have any uh, practical training to engage with um, communities. So trainings in in agriculture, trainings in... um, um, Different ways of like savings groups and things that that we have experience in um, to help equip and like strengthen people who are out there um, we, we, uh, we want it to be done all in the the context of unity too, um, not as like a denominational thing or as a or whatever, just interdenominational international all about unity, um, which totally comes from. Uh, I guess the spirit behind everything we're feeling is like a spirit of unity. Um, can we read the Romans verse? Okay, this is one of our um, verses for this week in Advent, and uh, I'm going to read it, just some of it, not the whole thing because it's long, um, because this kind of ties in with this idea of unity. Um, what am I reading for? Okay. Um, okay, so Romans 15. Um, starting from verse four. For whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction, so that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another in accordance with Jesus Christ, so that together you may, with one voice, glorify God, the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Um and then there's more but I'm going to skip that. Um and can we go to the John, the John verse? Okay, this is John 17. Um I'll just read it. I ask no, this is Jesus' high pri- priestly prayer uh right before the um he gets taken and uh before uh by the um the Romans. Um I ask you not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be one, all be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that they may be one, as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may be come completely one, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. So that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me, um, so part of when we 're talking about like the will of God and and um, uh, what what does God have for us in jesus prayer he 's praying that uh, the, that we would be one as christians, and that 's really our goal behind this new uh, mission center that we want to do that to really encourage unity um, between all. Christians, all missionaries, all Christian development workers, whoever, operating in Asia, that we wouldn't be um, competing or anything like that, that we could just be working together and having unity. Um, and as uh, uh, Pastor Scott said, that this week is the time that um, we remember uh, Christ coming into our personal stories, um, I, I want to kind of encourage everybody to... Uh, take a posture of openness um, towards God in your story. Uh, we, a year ago when we were back here, I would never have thought in the next year I'd come back and be talking about how we were moving to South Korea to start this mission center. Because it sounds completely crazy to me. Like, whoa, this is like huge gear shift. Um, but it, 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 we know it's right. Like, God's God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit has made it to- totally clear, like, this is the next step. And we wouldn't have got to that point without having this this posture of openness towards God, saying, God, you know, whatever you have in store for me, um, you know, bring it. I, I, you know, surrendering your own plans and letting God, you know, God's the master story writer, letting him write um, your story, because he's going to write a story that's, more beautiful, more creative, more wild than, than we would have written individually. And, um, he's going to take you places that you would never have imagined, like South Korea or Indonesia. Um, yeah, so that's my encouragement for this Sunday. I, that just take a posture of openness towards God and let him really take the reins. Uh, I also just wanted to take this time to ask for some prayer. Uh, we, I, didn't, I didn't say it during our thing because everybody else had so many prayer requests, but um, we're, getting a, we're getting some uh, snags with our Korean visa, and it's getting close to our departure date. We're leaving January 9th, so we already have our tickets, so we're leaving, but um, we want our visa too. So please be praying that this week that we can just get the visa thing taken care of. That's a big prayer request for us. Um, also, please be praying for us. Uh, we're still on support and we're transferring um, We're transferring from one organization to a new one. And we just pray that it goes smoothly. Um, so please uh, be praying for that as well. And uh, if you want to talk to us about that afterwards, if you have any questions about that, uh, feel free. Um, but yeah, thanks a lot, guys. So,
0: thank you so much. Great to hear from you guys. Um, and we, we're going to continue to support them as a church um, in prayer and with dollars and cents. So um, if you want to be part of that, I would strongly encourage you to do that. Um, I'm going to kind of rush us into our, our last couple of songs and communion. The communion table is open to anybody following Jesus this morning. Um, we also have our week three Beyond Our Walls uh, Advent Spiritual practices cards here, you can take one of those as well. We have intinction here, which just means you break off a piece of the, the bread and dip it in the wine or the juice and take it all together. Um, if you'd like prayer, you can meet our prayer team here. And please uh, please be praying for Carolyn and Ryan and um, talk to them afterwards and about how you can support them. Um, communion table is open. Would you stand together? And if you'd like to take communion, you can come, and, and we're going to sing um, one or two more songs here, I think. Let's continue to worship him. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.